Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> Democracy-ish, I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And all eyes are on Georgia right now, where there's two Senate races, the outcome of which will decide whether or not we have a Democratic-led Senate, which will allow Joe Biden to try to do some things as long as the entire Democratic caucus moves with him. You're going to have... Every single Democratic senator will be super powerful, and you have to watch out for people like Joe Manchin, who will be heavily recruited by the Republicans and wanting to move away from Democrats on various things, or four more years, or at least two more years, of Mitch McConnell being in charge, which means nothing happening, because McConnell's modus operandi since at least the beginning of the Obama uh, era was total obstruction. Nothing happens. You get absolutely nothing. We stop everything possible because we want to use the legislative period as part of campaigning so that when we go back into another election cycle, we can say, look, this person can't accomplish anything. Ergo, you must turn them out. And it didn't work with Obama. But that doesn't mean they're going to stop trying to stop everything from happening. I just have to say that I am absolutely disgusted and tired of Republicans. I'm tired of Mitch McConnell. I'm tired of the fact that we don't fight him. Um, How would you we know, fight when him? Mitch, Mitch, Mitch McConnell has been doing the same bullshit when he was um, minority leader. What, do you ever hear of any? Do you do? ever hear of any of the procedural things that he has done that that Schumer ever even tries to mimic? Do you ever even hear them threaten to sue Mitch McConnell for his obstruction and his tearing down of the of the Constitution? I am tired of Democrats consistently telling me, "Well, we can't, we can't do this, we can't do that." We, we you know, we. we we, it, it doesn't make any sense. We just have to take the high road. Fuck the high I don't, road. I don't, Fuck I don't Mitch care about McConnell. The high road, but I don't and understand I'm, what would you I want just, them to do. What I want them to do. 
want them to do is to actually fight. What I want them to do is to, is to actually put Mitch McConnell and Republicans on their heels. The reason why he continues to do what he's been doing for the last 10 fucking years is because Democrats don't do dick. They play possum every single time. They just lay there and they play dead and they don't even have tough talk or messaging or conversation I'm just, I'm, about how he's destroying the country. I'm not sure what procedurally you would like them to do in a Senate that is constructed to say any individual senator can stop anything, and especially the majority leader has total control over the flow of the chamber. You know, the the House is different, right? One, one congressperson could not control the House the way one senator can control the Senate. This is the way the Senate is, was meant to be. We could go back and bicker with the, the, the founders about, like, you know, we shouldn't have a system that can be corrupted by one person. I don't think the founders imagined that you would have a system where one person would be the leader of the Senate and say, I'm going to make sure that nothing happens as a political gesture because because uh, campaigning never ends. I'm going to use this as a way of attacking the other party because I would rather uh, damage the country than allow Democrats to seem to put up any points on the board. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you would want Chuck Schumer and the Democrats to do in response to McConnell using the rules in an immoral way, but in so, a legal way. So tell me, how is it that Mitch McConnell was able to do this when he was minority? When he was minority leader, tell me how when when Harry Reid was running the Senate that Mitch McConnell was still able to run roughshod over him. And then Harry Reid was forced into a situation to get rid of the filibuster, which then was going to screw Democrats when they were out of power in the Senate in the first place. Like, I'm just, I guess what, what, I'm, what I'm saying in general is that I'm tired of the, what do you want us to do well, but, argument? But what, I'm what tired of like the, like, do? oh, de- like Republicans are, are working within the rules. No, they actually aren't. And there are ways in which you can argue legally bringing in court how in, in the ways in which they are obstructing the constitution they are thwarting the will of 330 million americans there are ways that they can do that and should have done that the obama administration could have done that and they didn't we turn the other cheek we decide that we're going to work with a party that are a group of terrorists and don't want to work with the american people not only do they not want to work with the american people but they want to make sure that the american people suffer those that don't vote for them. And so it's it's not enough for us to just continue to throw up our hands and say, like, what do you want us to do? I want you to do something. I, I want you to I, do something other than nothing. I totally That's what I want them to do. agree with your assessment of the Republican Party. I totally agree with your assessment of what Mitch McConnell is doing, right? That is completely clear. And I think that Barack Obama, and I haven't gotten to this part in his book, and neither of you, but because um, you just started it, but um, <laughs> didn't read really it for this week, this so was, we'll get to I it. I wish that this was video we'll so that everyone, but I hope from the tone of my voice, you can imagine what my face looks like ah! at right now. <laughs> we'll, you'll, get to the, you'll get to this part of the book uh, in a couple months, but I, I believe that Obama will say, and that he has said in the past, that he is was surprised at the level and the consistency of McConnell's obstructionism throughout his years. Now, by now, it is clear to us what he is out to do. Um, 
I just I, I it, 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 we have a Senate again that is constructed so that any one person can stop anything. We have a Republican Party whose basic guiding thesis is that government is the problem and we need to stop government from doing things and we need to have a government that seems to be constantly at war with itself because people will think, oh, it's a food fight and media will report both sides are fighting when in fact it is the Republican side that is fighting and going to the edges of the interpretation of the rules to attack the system. Um I mean, you know, they 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 their 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 voters consistently say they send their people to Washington to not compromise and to stand on principle, um, no matter how increasingly crazy those principles are. Democrats, I think, deep down, I know deep down, believe that government can solve problems. So we want to use government to try to solve big problems. Um, which involves compromise, which involves getting to yes, which involves doing things. It is super easy to go into a bureaucratic system and say, I'm going to stop it. I'm going to make sure that this accomplishes nothing. And that's what the Republican Party is about. It's not like they're accomplishing certain things and we're not stopping them. They are accomplishing stopping the work of the Senate and stopping the work of the Congress I'm not sure what you want us to do short of going out there and getting, you know, a 61 uh, Shut down seat. the fucking government. How about that? You want, how about you, you, want shut, Democrats how about you to shut down the, you want how about Democrats you shut down to the shut down government. government because Yeah, I actually because Republicans do. are shutting because down the, the government. government. Because the government because the government doesn't the government isn't working. Right, like our government, we've had over the past. You do realize that several, government the, shutdowns over the past, over the past government several shutdowns years, are generally bad for the party that shuts it down. So that so the it, so people, and, the voters will walk he, away saying again, that we were the problem. And again, with the again with the fear, again with the oh, what are the people going to think about us? I find it amazing that seventy four million people continue to vote for this party, and they never once think to themselves, "I wonder, I wonder what the people will think if we continue to, you know, throw out four hundred bills that the House has passed that will better the lives of the American people." I wonder what the people will think. Democrats are the only ones that sit around and say, "Oh my God, I'm so fearful." You can't govern from fear. You can't govern from like the what ifs, like, oh, it's going to be bad for them. It's why, oh, it's again, why Barack Obama, why no other, why no other uh, sitting president has ever decided to prosecute a criminal president that has done wrongdoing because of what the people will think. Oh, they will think bad of them. It'll ruin my legacy. But if we had done the right things with Nixon, with George W. Bush, maybe we wouldn't have arrived at a Trump because a Trump would have thought, you know what? They'll come for me. You know what? They won't rest on their laurels just to turn the page, just to make sure that America is okay and safe and buttoned up in their beds, in their make-believe comfort of exceptionalism. No, they would not do that. But because we don't ever take any action, because presidents are in fact above the law, because Mitch McConnell is allowed to be the king of the Senate, because we don't do any of these things that take some aim at their wrongdoing, they just continue on. This week, the only person that I have seen recently, really, and clearly, I love Katie Porter. Representative Katie Porter took to Twitter this week to put out a thread as to why the American people are not getting their $908 billion stimulus, why it is being held up right now, and who it's being held up by. Because guess what? It's not all Republicans. It's Mitch McConnell. 
Mitch McConnell wants to keep the little footnote in that policy that would say that if you've contracted the coronavirus and it is through your job, you can't sue your employer. You can't get any type of reparations from them endangering your life. If you die, your family can't do anything about it. That's what Mitch McConnell is holding up this legislation over. And she so far is the only one of the Democrats that I've seen that's saying, we're trying to come to the table here. Even Republicans are at the table. But this is what Mitch McConnell I mean, is I doing. I appreciate her. I value her and that tactic. I don't think that tactic is winning over a single voter. The left is still like, yes, this proves the thesis that we all hold. The right is like, I can't hear you because this is not reported on Fox or Newsmax or OANN. It can't be true because a Democrat or a media person said it. Um, but I think what you ultimately have – this is like Mitch McConnell's excuse, right? I mean, yet again, he's standing up for big business rather than for uh, trying to help people. But ultimately, this is just the excuse du jour. If somehow Democrats c uh, caved and gave in on this, there would be something else. He, Mitch McConnell is not going to allow something to happen that would possibly be perceived as helpful to Joe Biden in the future. He's not going to do anything that would allow Joe Biden's first 100 days to seem successful. He's going to do everything that he can to prevent Joe Biden from appearing to have any success. And even if that means millions of Americans hurt, starving, what have you, he, it doesn't matter. It's all political warfare to him. And, you know, I mean, you're right in that we are playing two different games, that what the Democrat, the way the Democrats are approaching this is not the way Republicans are approaching it. But I don't want, and I don't think this is what you're saying, but I don't want uh, a Republican Party in blue. And I'm not really even sure what, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of people say what you're saying. You are far from alone. They want a tougher Democratic Party to stand up to this increasingly crazy Republican Party. I'm just not sure what does that actually look like. Bishop. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. 
You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. is part of the pro-democracy podcast coalition the midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections we all know that our government is broken politicians spend more time working for themselves their big donors and their political party instead of for us we as americans have had enough of the corruption partisan bickering and gridlock look i get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out but i'm here to tell you there's reason for hope our political system is broken now but we can fix it that's why we've partnered with Represent Us, a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. You know, I, what I want people to understand is that language actually matters here, right? And the, the conversation that we're having um, is an important one. This isn't about Mitch McConnell thwarting Joe Biden's first 100 days. This is about everything that you had laid out after you said, oh, well, this is political warfare and this is, you know, going after Joe Biden. You see, the thing is, and the thing that Democrats need to do, this isn't about Joe Biden. This is about the American people. This isn't about like, oh, I'm going to stick it to that guy. As Mitch McConnell said, I'm going to make Barack Obama a one-term president. And my proudest moment of my decades-long career is blocking a Supreme Court nominee. No, we are in the midst of multiple pandemics. By the time that they swear, put their hand on the Bible and we get to Inauguration Day, our numbers numbers will most likely have doubled. We will have hit over 300,000 American deaths, right? This isn't about Joe Biden and whether or not they used to sip scotch and now they don't, or like hurting Joe Biden. Every thing that Republicans do is killing Americans. And so the words and the language and the messaging that we have as a party matters. This isn't political warfare. This isn't, you know, tit for tat. And it's not both sidesism. It is a coup, right? It is a coup to obstruct our government. And then also the, the result of that is not just about losing votes. We are losing lives. We've lost more lives in last week than we have in multiple, multiple terrorist attacks on this country's soil. But we're not having, but we're, but the Democrats are not having that conversation. It's just, and whose fault it is. I mean, it's, it's difficult to speak to the right. And I don't just mean the elected right. I mean, increasingly to the unelected right, to the media on the right. It is a, it, we do not have a two-party problem. We have an asymmetrical problem. We have one party that is going more and more and more off the deep end, ideologically and interpersonally, by which I mean the way that they interact with other people. Um, the, I mean, what we see right now, the, the fraud 
certainty on the right that the election was stolen. We have to figure it out. I mean, like we, we talk about, you know, the, the, the Georgia Senate debate where Kelly Loeffler cannot say Joe Biden won the election. It is a simple sentence. It is a true sentence. It is fucking obvious. But, you know, again, like, like when they were going around saying, is Barack Obama an American? And Republican uh, elected yep. officials would run yep. from reporters who were asking that question. We can, and that wasn't even like we have some dictator who's standing there waiting to attack you with tweets and shame if you didn't toe the party line. They refused to say, yes, he is an American because that somehow was against the Republican doctrine. And now we have – they can, even though he has lost and he must leave office – Within a short amount of time, about six weeks, they cannot say he lost. It was fair. Joe Biden will be president. I mean, the folks who were like, we have to let the process play out. The process has played out. Trump is like one in 50 in electoral in, 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 in court cases, right? They go into court, they have no evidence, right? And then they have these ridiculous shambolic hearings where Rudy Giuliani farts and says there's all sorts of evidence, but when they go into court, they have no evidence. And I am increasingly flabbergasted just looking at the right, the American right, and saying, my God, what is wrong with you people? You used to be, uh, within within the long memory of my life, used to be a very reasonable intellectual movement. I disagreed with you completely, but there was a reasonableness to you. But the Republican, the, the right, the conservative movement that has risen up in the wake of Newt Gingrich and Rush Limbaugh has become increasingly insane. And Donald Trump is just the furthest reach of that, right, sort of Sarah Palin 2.0 of that, but this has been coming uh, for a while, and just the same way that we thought that George W. Bush was in, was dumb and horrible and the worst president we could imagine, Trump makes this look like, damn, like, Bush wasn't so bad compared to Trump, and I don't think that the Republican Party is at rock bottom in that they can't uh, nominate somebody who will make us look back at Trump and be like, damn, maybe Trump wasn't that bad compared to this maniac. You know, I think uh, often uh, about whether or not the Republican Party has gone off the deep end or if, like you're saying, things just get worse and worse and worse and so we kind of lose perspective, right? Because one would argue that i don't know funneling drugs into the black community killing <laughs> killing assassinating you know activists breaking down the uh, uh the black panther party that was only trying to provide food and shelter and literacy programs and all of these things for black people that creating the welfare the welfare queen um and you know leaving like it's just they have always been evil they have always been crazy. They have always been bad. And I think that what we got stuck in is that, oh, it was always an ideological fight. It was always some type of ideological argument, but it's not. White supremacy really isn't an ideological argument. Like there's no, there's no real merit or basis in it 
other than hate, right? And dominance and oppression. And so like you just look at the ways in which, yeah, their tactics have changed, but these are these have never been a reasonable people. Donald Trump has just allowed them to leave their articulation, leave their etiquette behind and feel that they can both be a strong man and a victim at the same time, mm. right? Like they're able to wear both of these hats at the same time, which to me just in and of itself is just pure fuckery, right? Like you're going to be, you're going to claim to be a victim, claim to, you know, oh, so much wrongdoing, but also the toughest and the brightest and the best. How does that work? I think that. How does that logically work? I think that's really right and profound to note that they want to be strong and tough and victims at the same time, and that victim mentality and that sense of grievance and something has been stolen from us is deeply tied up with what it is to be a modern Republican, a modern conservative. Um, I mean, look, you know, these are people who are still fighting against uh, the Civil War, the losses around uh, the Medicare, Medicaid battles in the 60s, the loss of Roe v. Wade, and now this will be the new big loss. I, I mean, you could also include the loss of the uh, battle to start affirmative action, even though affirmative action is largely over. Um this will be the new one, the loss of the 2020 election, which will be the, the new rallying cry for the next 50 years. They stole that from us. So, and oh, and I forgot about the, the loss of uh, Justice Bork. So now, like, anything goes because they stole an election from us. I, I mean, we live in a country where it's controversial to say the election was not stolen. I mean, it's fucking insane. Police officer shot and killed a black woman in her own home. Incident after incident, year after year. Say Their Name, a podcast that focuses on the assault and killing of unarmed black people by police and in stand-your-ground states. I'm the mother, father, sister, uncle, grandmother. We were best friends. We are humanizing these headlines, figuring out who these victims really were before the hashtags. Say their name. You can listen on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to shift a little bit because I did a poll and I saw some polling that black people are far less likely to want to take the uh, coronavirus vaccine. And I'm curious about you personally. Uh, will Do you plan to take it or are you like, I don't know. They screwed us in Tuskegee with that other thing. I don't I don't know about this one. I mean, you know, I, I wish that when people would do these polls and have conversations about why black people don't want to take the vaccine, that they would actually provide historical context. Um, and it isn't just Tuskegee and it isn't just Henrietta Lacks. It is the fact that black women go into hospitals and die at five times the rate as white people do. It is the fact of, you know, historical uh, systemic racism in the medical industrial complex and the ways in which modern medicine was made off of our bodies. So like, it's not just a, just, oh, well, these people are ignorant. And so they don't want this vaccine. It's like, no, they don't want to die, but they, in America, black people get to choose, right? Like which in way, which, which way do you want to die? Do you want somebody's knee on your neck? Do you want to die in prison? Do you want to die giving birth? Do you want to die of poverty? Do you want, you know, like, do you want to die of drug addiction? Like, like choose your fucking poison, right? Living black in America 
is Russian roulette, right? So like, I, I just, I, it bothers me when people have this conversation and they don't actually illuminate and educate the public as to the reasoning behind some of the pushback that black people have. But for me, like, will I take a vaccine once uh, phase one through seven is done and I'm eligible for a vaccination? Yeah, I will absolutely take it. Will I stop wearing a mask in public? Probably never. No, no. Right? That's different. Um, That's different. But, but, I, but I think that, you know, if in fact uh, I, I have an opportunity, which I don't foresee that happening because I'm in none of the boxes that are in the front of the line to get chosen. Um, but I would absolutely take it. I've taken other vaccinations, right? You know, I, in order to travel, I, in order to, I, I you know, in order to go to school. I so. understand the medical racism. I understand the history of this. I totally get it. And I'm sympathetic to that. I feel like this is a little different and it is it is an historical medical emergency and i don't think emergency is even strong enough of a word and it is happening in public to everybody on the globe and it has been happening for a while and black people have been suffering from this more acutely than white people and that is not biological that is sociological that is social that is happening because of economic reasons um, because of social reasons and i would think those sorts of things would make us say okay we got to get behind this and and we got to you know we got to take this we got to save our community and save ourselves um and not sort of fall back on like well you know they screwed us several times, many times in the past. Um, I, I mean, you know, I, I would never make light of this, but it's almost, it feels almost to me like, you know, I refuse to pick the little teeny bit of cotton out of the aspirin bottle. I would rather die of a headache than pick a little bit of cotton because my great-grandparents were enslaved and they picked cotton. I refuse to drink from the water fountain because no matter how thirsty I am, because my grandparents were not allowed to drink. Like, I, I mean, guys, at some point we have to say, well, wait a minute. This is an extraordinary medical situation. And we should be willing to take this vaccine. I, I don't think they're going to suddenly slip in like, well, oh, oh, here comes the black one. Here comes Danielle. Give, give her the other one. Give her the bullshit. I mean, but I don't, but see, you know, the thing is, is that like, I don't understand why you would assume why, why that wouldn't happen. I don't understand like why we would assume that if I'm going in for a vaccination, that they're not key, that they're not deciding that they're going to give generic or, you know, or a watered down version, because like, it's all about profit at the end of the day. And, you know, depending on which community that you're in, based on what kind of pharmacy you have, this, that, and the other thing, like, look, you know, if, if we're not going to be willing, like as a society, I think, and it's particularly this Biden-Harris administration to figure out um, the fact that the black community is dealing with generations of trauma um, that are, that runs so fucking deep. 
um, and find a way to deliver this message of the importance of this vaccine without trying to belittle us or make us feel like we're crazy, right? Because that that's the also the other part of racism and white privilege and white supremacy is the whole gaslighting aspect of it. Like we're just all nuts, right? Like this, oh, maybe, oh, it only happened once. No, the, the way in which the medical industry has been built. It, this shit has happened all the time. I'm just saying that unless the Biden-Harris administration is going to figure out the way in which their message is going to reach the black community and understanding the generations of trauma. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Trauma that we have experienced at the hands of the medical industry, at the hands of this government, right? You have to understand that truth instead of just like laughing it off or looking the other way or just saying, well, people have to take it because we're dying at a higher, we're dying at a higher rate, period. Right. So whether it's COVID or it's cancer or it's heart disease or it's any of these things, we're always dying. Right. And so my point is that I don't I don't I want the black community to take the vaccination. I think that it's important for them to take the vaccination. But let me tell you something. If we were talking about the Trump administration doling out this vaccination, I wouldn't fucking take it. And I would tell nobody around me to fucking take it. No, I right? hear you. Because I don't trust them. I hear you. And I would be very hard-pressed to trust anything out of the Trump administration, which they have proven themselves repeatedly to be untrustworthy on every issue. Um, so that would make all the sense in the world. Um, you know, when you're talking about a profit motive, uh, we're talking about COVID as a seasonal thing so that this adds to the, the list of vaccines that we have to take each year. Um, to go back to school, to go to work, these sorts of things. And <clears throat> vaccinations only work if something like 90% of the people in the community, in a given community, take it. And so it's not just like, you, Danielle, take it, you're good. You need a certain threshold of the community to take it with you or it's worthless, right? You know, or remains strong enough to move throughout the community. So withholding it from certain people especially people who have shown up you know if you're talking about you know like like they're they may or may not get the vaccination 
boxes the actual medicine to a specific hospital in the hood in detroit because oh well you know like might that happen sure but like you present yourself to the hospital and you say i want the vaccination along with the other hundred million people who showed up uh, i i don't foresee like some monkey business where they're like well don't give it to danielle because she's black but we're going to give it to that nice blonde behind her like I, I think that there is a – and you talk about a profit motive, when you talk about a political motive, there is a strong desire to see as many people vaccinated as fast as possible because this, vi- this vaccination is itself a profit center. And getting back to uh, some level of economic normalcy is of tremendous uh, profit value, not only to the government, not only to the country at whole, but to black people ourselves, That the, but to the black community, it will be more valuable for us to get back to some sort of economic and social normalcy. And I agree with all of those points. And the thing is, right, if we actually cared about the economic viability, let's, because we don't, we only care about the economic viability of this country. We actually don't care about the health and welfare of the citizens of this country. That is evident, right? We wouldn't be here right now with our broken healthcare system if that was the case. But even if that were true, all of the things that you're saying about the amount of people that need to be vaccinated, once again, I will go back to the Republican Party and how we don't have a two-party system because Right now, they're going to have an invited, an anti-vaxxer to sit down and talk about the coronavirus vaccine that is going to be life-saving, not only for our actual life and health and well-being, but also for the only thing that they fucking care about, which is the health and well-being of our economy. But they invited an anti-vaxxer to sit before the Senate to discuss the dangers of vaccination. Because... Republicans do not care about the American people. So there are things that just don't make sense. Racism doesn't make sense. White supremacy doesn't make sense. Republicans' cultish attitudes don't make sense. But they continue on. So you're right. We have 330 million people that need to be vaccinated. We have 100 million doses, I think, right, of, 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 the, of the vaccine. The Trump administration turned down, you know, extras from Pfizer because... They don't care. Um, But we have an entire party that is hyping up an anti-vaxxer, anti-mask, pro-virus movement. I just, I don't know how America survives this. Like, I really don't. It just doesn't, it's, we are, it is madness where we are. Like, absolute fucking madness. I mean, it is madness, and not only because of that, but because truth be told, Either we have no president right now because the 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 technical president is completely derelict in his duty, except where he can do things that will make life harder for the next president. So he's sort of like when you 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 know you have to move out of the apartment, but you're mad at the landlord, so you trash the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> like, but except the the apartment is the country. Uh, so, you know, do I need to start a war with another, uh, country? Do I need to, uh, you know, screw up this accord? Do I need, uh, like, sure, whatever I can do to just piss on the floor and wreck the room. And I, 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 
it's not unexpected, but it's still exasperating. But nonetheless, it's still exasperating. Nonetheless, it's, you know, I, I, I put out a tweet this week and I said, I'm just confused. And again, I, I need to like reread, you know, parts of the Constitution. I don't understand why we have so much time between the election and inauguration. I put out this tweet and I said, does it make sense? Because normally if you were to get fired from a job or you quit, you get two weeks, right? You get and you give two weeks notice, no, no, right? No, no, no. If you so, resign, if you it's resign, two weeks. If you're fired, you leave immediately. You, you leave immediately. So folks in the UK and Canada tweeted back at me and they're like, your system makes no fucking sense because when we vote out our prime minister, that motherfucker is gone the next day. Election held on Tuesday, you bag pack on Wednesday. So I don't understand why we give these motherfuckers like, oh, months. you know, here, hold on to the nuclear codes for another two months. Hey, why don't you fuck up some treaties, some deals, you know? Like, you know, just... just I- eat- Run, run roughshod over the country. I think you know. Give out money from the treasury. I think that I think that the system may be a little too complicated, and it's not any way slagging Canada or any other country. But I think the system is extraordinarily complicated, and having somebody be removed the next day and like you, poof, now you're the president today. Go like I think the system is far too complex. To have the transfer be 24 hours or even like seven days, I think the 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 last president, the new president, needs time to figure out what is my team going to be to start moving in. You know, th- two weeks, Torrey. I'm giving these motherfuckers 14 days. This is one of the other things I want fixed. Like, you get 14 days. You can figure it out. You see the poll numbers. You just start packing up your bags. You know, you don't know if you're getting kicked out, but you might as well be prepared, and then it'll be easy unpacking if you get to stay. But two weeks. You get two weeks. Usher this shit out. It's for the new person coming in to be able to hit the ground running to be uh, the best that they can be. But I want to dive into one other thing you said, because when I was reading – Barack Obama's book, which you were not, which we were supposed to do for this week. Um, Let me he, tell you something. You bring bring it up one more good one more good time oh, I and will. act like I don't know where you live. Oh, I will. I will. Um, <laughs> act like, and act like I don't know where your house you, is. You won't come over because coronavirus. But um, the, he talks about you know the football, right? Which is you know the the marine that travels around with him at all times with the suitcase with the nuclear codes, and the president is always a second away from being able to launch a nuclear weapon. And it strikes me as an unnecessary, anachronistic, overly militaristic uh, custom that should be abandoned. And surely you don't need to be standing next to me for me to be able to initiate something. And But this is a Cold War thing that we, that we initiated... More military restraint is what the world needs. And having the president move around with the nuclear codes inches away from him 24-7 seems to me to be the entirely wrong message for the president himself as well as for the world. And we need to move toward a world that not only expects but demands diplomacy before 
a military gesture that the president, I mean, I was reading uh, uh, Robert Caro's book about LBJ and he talked about the Cuban Missile Crisis and the restraint that President Kennedy had to uh, employ to keep us from getting into a war uh, with Russia then was extraordinary. And you talk about cooler heads prevailed. If he was not circumspect and thoughtful and patient where other people like a Trump, uh, perhaps like uh, others, uh, would have rushed in to attack. Um, the history will look a lot different. This country might look different. That country might look different. Um, and not for the betterment of anybody. Um, it, it just strikes me as, as you know, and, and, and to that point, we have, hi- we have, we, Biden has put, installed, uh, a black military veteran as the Secretary of Defense. Mm-hmm. Why not a civilian? Why? Why does it have to be somebody from the military community running the Department of Defense? Why not a civilian? Why not somebody who would lead us toward? Hey, guys, maybe we shouldn't attack because that's what the world needs more. Maybe we should not attack rather than somebody who's like, here's how we can attack. So then Biden is the only major civilian in the conversation. Let's have more people who are willing to say, let's not attack. Yeah, I think that that is to make the assumption that everybody who is associated with the military wants to be at war or wants to go to war. And I don't think that that is the case. Um, I am obviously somebody that is pro-diplomacy and believe that, frankly, if we had more women leaders, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Um, But I I, I do believe... There's a big generalization which ignores the counterfactual that... Because that expectation exists, women who would be able to get into that position would have to demonstrate, yes, I'm absolutely willing and able to be a hawk. I'm not talking about just being the head of defense. I'm talking about being presidents and leaders. Women are better negotiators. Women are better in conversation. But Hillary Clinton, that's true, but Hillary Clinton was a hawk just like everybody else, because for her to be able to get into that position, she had to prove, I'm not going to be a reflexive dove. A man could be more likely to be a dove right. because and the we, expectation and, is not that he's going to be wimpy. She had to say, I'm a hawk already. So, I mean, like, just just the notion that because you have a woman, you're not going to go to war. You know, Margaret Thatcher says, wait a minute. You know, I don't know about that. I'm not saying you're not going to go to war, but there's not going to be consistently that's going to be our first approach. Women and men are different. And I hate the fact and the fucking idea that it, that we always have to say that they are the same. The genders are not the same. They're not. People operate differently. And women, frankly, are better negotiators. They are more likely to want to come to the table with a broader set of ideas than fucking dealing from their egos. That is just facts. I think that's it true. Is just However, women are dealing with the stereotypes that come from them being minorities in the leader space. And so to be able to get into the position of being a leader, sometimes you have to prove that you are more manlike than some of the men. And I don't mean the, that acting in some mannish way, but you have to have, you have to show like I'm willing to be a hawk to even get to be in that chair. So just the, the, the assumption that because you're a woman, you're not going, I think that's, 
that's that's a dangerous assumption. You can think that it's a dangerous assumption. It's still what I'm saying. I I I believe it. Which I is believe not to say. Which is not to say that I, I believe. Don't think I that women I also believe leaders. that like I think women should way, absolutely the, be leaders. I think that the way in which women have had to operate in society has changed. You did have to take on masculine qualities in order to be taken seriously in many an industry. That is that has slowly begun to change and degrade that notion, right? And so what I am saying is that. I don't believe that all people that are associated with the military are all hawks. I think that we need somebody who can undo all of the things that Trump's very, very insane and unrestrained folks did with our allies and did with the people who have normally been seen as our adversaries, right? There is a lot of repair that needs to be done with our military, that needs to be done with our foreign relations. And I think that it is important. I don't think that a civilian is going to be that. And this is, and this again, this is just me and my opinion that I don't think that a civilian right now to undo what Trump has done would be up for the task. And I think that Joe Biden, in all honesty, in this particular area, having dealt with bin Laden, having dealt with all of these different dictators and folks um, over his tenure as vice president and then in the Senate, knows what he is doing here. And I actually trust I trust the decision. Um, OK, um, I want to. <laughs> but I want to bring this home and remind the folks or let the folks know that we will finally in the future, do the Barack Obama book conversation when Danielle's caught up and read the book, um, probably around Christmas, New Year's time when... When uh, all of you get the book as a gift. When lots of you have gotten the book as a gift, when Danielle's had a little more time with it to get out of the community organizer chapter and get into <laughs> the meat of the book... <laughs> You know he's going to win the election, right? I don't want to spoil it for you, but he's... I mean, you already... It, I feel like the book is already spoiled, so... He's going to win the election. And just so everybody knows, like, Touré loves to play professor and dole out work as if the world isn't on fire, and what? I had to say to him, maybe we should talk about other important things today. And Touré's like, no, I just want to sit and drink coffee and talk about the book as if America isn't on fire. I don't drink coffee i drink monster and reading barack obama's book is very important but you're right the world remains on fire doing throughout these last thank god days of the horrific trump administration um thank you for listening to democracy ish i'm Torre, and i'm danielle moody say it again and i'm danielle moody and we'll be back next week if if Trump hasn't blown up the country yet, ooh, that could happen. That could totally happen. Yeah, if I can't it run can. it, you can't have it. <laughs> nice country, be ashamed if something happened to it. Pray you about it. He said he's traveling it. with the football. Right Pray about it. Pray about it. Pray about it.